Hello, welcome to Don't Get Caught. It's a podcast about the music of REM. I'm Lynn, and on the other end of this Zoom call, we have... Me, Captain Comedy himself, Ali. <laughs> We're like 100-odd episodes in. Uh, have you decided on a new moniker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and because I disapprove of royalty in, in principle, I'm, I'm merely Captain okay. Col- Comedy. Cool. Um, whereas you, sir, are the Emperor of Hilarity. Thanks. I will take it, I guess. <laughs> um, anyway, we're here to discuss King of Comedy, the third track on Monster. And famously, R.E.M.'s most hilarious song. Yep. Question mark. <laughs> Question mark. What is R.E.M.'s most hilarious song? I guess it's King of Comedy. <laughs> but, um... Right, so uh, Lynn, how would you describe this this song? Uh, how would I describe the song? Driving? I don't know. That's that's the wrong thing. It's, de- it's definitely got like a momentum to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed would, quite a lot. I would agree. I would call it weird pop. Weird pop. Yeah, I see what you mean. Because I was trying to like pigeonhole it a bit, and but it doesn't quite seem that poppy. But it's also not sort of bombastically rocky either. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of has this... I don't know whether you'd call it... It's not really a funky beat, but it's like mm. this sort of shuffle kind of rhythm to it. It it feels like slightly sarcastic, just like it's slightly oh, taking... Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's got all sorts of interesting stuff going on with the, the music. Like, it's got this really kind of choppy rhythm guitar on it and this throbby bass line um and then it's got all these kind of like weird like zoomy noises which i presume are like slides on the guitar and bass where they just like play a note and then just slide down the string so like this like at random intervals it pans a lot as well when i was listening Mm. on headphones there's a lot of like left right yes pans to a lot of the not not so much the vocals but a lot of the instrumentation yeah which is something that not too many it's it's kind of a bit of a gimmick and people don't do it very often but it i mean i guess yeah because it's because it's such a noticeable thing to do you kind of only do it if you really want people to kind of go (laughs) oh that's a bit of a weird effect um like the drums also they have quite a like robotic or sort of like programmed sound i don't know whether Mm -hmm. That's just a a function of like the production, or whether they did just use a drum machine. What else have we got? So, like about one minute in, there's some like breathy female backing vocals that come in, that's sort of buried in the mix. Like the outro has this kind of like twinkly guitar, like arpeggio that's a bit more like it's not even like the standard REM twinkly ar- arpeggio, but. <laughs> It's it's still that. Um, and then there's this brief, like, kind of dance music kind of drums that come in. Like, it's going to launch into something, but it's basically like the song's actually petering out. And then, of course, the lead vocal, it's, like, quite distorted. There's, like, this crackly effect on it. I thought I'm mentioning autotune, but it's obviously not mm. autotuned at all. But distortion is what it is. But there's something applied, I guess, it doesn't... No one's voice naturally sounds that distorted. It's just, yeah, it's very like muddy sounding. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and it's also quite like a muttered delivery. Yeah, it's sort of like aggressively muttered. <laughs> yeah. Like there's something a little aggressive in the background to it, mm. like in the tone, but it's not it's not shouty aggressive. It's Yeah, and there's like a slightly like chanty quality. Like it's not quite mm-hmm. it's not fast enough to say he's rapping, but it's not really singing either. It's just like this yeah, it, rhythmic it, it feels rhythmic, rhythmic. talking. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that sounded really Alan Partridge's rhythmic talking. Uh, I feel like it's how Alan Partridge would describe a rap song. That is how Alan Partridge would <laughs> describe rap. Oh no. I think the last thing anyone wants is to <laughs> hear Alan Partridge talking about <laughs> rap music. Yeah. And how that's true. how he really admires the musicianship or something, and then just <laughs> says all these things which are like implicitly racist. Oh dear. Mr. Trick Steve Coogan. I mean, surely in all the different Partridge incarnations that there have been, or iterations, because it's always the same character, but he must have talked about rap music in a very awkward way at some point. You would have thought so, but maybe maybe they avoided it. Yeah. Maybe it was too obviously. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Never stopped them before. (laughs) Um, No, that's true. Uh, Did you have anything else on the musical side that you wanted to highlight? Not really, except I think it grew on me. Okay. As I was listening to it, I think I started to appreciate it a bit more. It's kind of, I think um, it's. Initially, it was just like, oh, it's a bit muddy, it's a bit. Um, but <laughs> that's, that's an exact impersonation. It is. It, how Stipe sounds as well. similitude. But no, I think the more I liked it, the more I kind of got into the rhythm of it. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's but, quite fun. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It didn't strike me as fun initially. I was just like, oh, is this... I don't know. just felt a bit muddy and took me a while to, I think, realise that it was meant to be fun. Yeah. I mean, I think, and we'll get into the lyrics in a minute, but I feel like there's kind of a point to it, but the but the music is meant to be kind of like, if not throwaway, not like, not like serious, like, look up what amazing musicians we are it's mm-hmm. more like a we're going to do this sort of like vaguely dancey funky tune yeah i hadn't thought of it as being dancey but it is kind of on the edge of it i think it's i mean it's not like an out there like rave number no but but there's something about the guitars being kind of quite like choppy mhm yeah a funny thing it reminds me of in terms of its like ironic tone and it's actually a few years before this but um the u2 song discotech which oh yes it does sound a bit like discotech uh, but this was yeah as i say a few years before and it's just that kind of like we're a big rock band but we're pretending to do this other style of music and doing it in a slightly <laughs> undercutting it kind of way but yeah no it's it's cool and fun uh but lyrics what do we have to say about those? That I didn't catch as many as I felt I should. <laughs> yes. There's lots about making money. Yes. Yeah, like that's making the main refrain at the beginning. Yes, and wearing a suit and tie and being like the man. I don't I don't believe they explicitly say that it's the man, but there's there's a lot of business stereotypes yes. thrown around. Yeah. Uh there's a line which I've never the second line, I've never caught it, is Make your money with shrewd denial. And in fact, just looking through the lyrics, there's so much of this that's like, nope, never heard that. (laughs) 
No, I almost thought that was like making money in a suit and tie. Yeah, that's the first line, and the second line is... Okay, that is the first yeah, line. Sorry, yeah, I yeah. thought it was all shrewd denial. I was like, what? Yeah, no. <laughs> so I really was um, not going to read out all of the lyrics, but I'm, like after he goes, I'm not king of comedy, which is very easy to hear, the next line is, mm-hmm. grease the pig, give a squeeze. Okay. Which is a, a vivid image. <laughs> David Cameron's. <laughs> Oh, he gave it more than a squeeze. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> and allegedly, allegedly. Yeah. Uh, none but the best, Lynn. None but the best. Well, I feel like that's most countries, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Every time there's an election, in addition to feel like bad about the world generally, there's just like you look at them, you're like, oh, these are meant to be the best people in the country. This is this is what you like, could this is, it? this is what you could come up with electoral yeah, system like, and oh, electorate. Yeah, best you and brightest. Feel like that in British elections. Feel like that in American elections. And you're like great, better than Trump. Absolutely better than Trump. But still, you just like, is this the best? Like, is this the best? It's like, nope, nope. This <laughs> system is explicitly designed to make sure that, that doesn't happen. Yeah, quite. But yeah, I guess there's probably some like, you know, careful what you wish for in that if you had somebody who was super talented, but also nefarious, you might be in big trouble. But uh, yeah, they're just incompetently nefarious or nefarious incompetent. I don't know. <laughs> so I don't, yeah, it's hard to know whether that's better or worse, I think. but uh, I don't know. I guess I guess if someone's <laughs> nefarious and competent, then they might okay, that be, would set, be bad, setting yeah. out to do really bad things, and they have the that's true the the skill to make them happen, and the skill to kind of cover their tracks as they go. Yeah, they are very bad at covering their tracks. So. Yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the whole thing about like people who are Machiavellian. It's like if if you make a <laughs> make a big deal about how much you love love Machiavelli, it's kind of like. Mm, <laughs> that's that's not a very successful thing to do if you want to be a good Machiavellian. <laughs> no, it's not very. Anyway, uh, I don't know how we got onto this, but yeah, um, me neither. Sorry, uh, we were squeezing pigs. Yes, no, we were greasing them, and then we were squeezing greasing them, pigs, uh, which obviously we do not endorse. No, no, leave them pigs alone. Leave them pigs alone. <laughs> as, as Pink Floyd definitely said. <laughs> Pig, did you say Pig Floyd? Pig Floyd. Excellent. So I don't know whether I misheard or not. I think you did. I don't know whether I misheard or not. It was just a pun cause... sitting there. And yeah. You, I didn't think you would let it pass you by. Uh, you're, you're giving me too much credit, I think. <laughs> uh, right. Um, so back to the lyrics. It goes slightly religious for a bit or for a few lines. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you have, make it holy illumination, say a prayer at every station, don't forget to ask for mercy. And it goes back to making money. This time, (laughs) this time with a pretty face, which that's a line I've always caught. And then as make it easy with product placement, nope, never heard that. And the one I've definitely never heard until like... Like once I'd read it and then I was listening back, it's like, oh yeah, I can hear, I can hear that now that I know that's what it says. But it says, mm-hmm. make it charged with uh, controversy. I'm straight. I'm queer. I'm bi, which is like never, never, never noticed that at, no. at, at all because it's like it's delivered in such a like throwaway way. And I wonder how much of that was just like 
my understanding is that the music press, particularly in the UK, for mm-hmm. whatever reason, decided that it would be newsworthy to speculate about uh, Michael Slipe's sexuality, which is kind of like, well, that's none of your business. <laughs> no, it doesn't really affect anything. No. So I don't know whether this was a um, a reference to that. Like, I, I mean, I think in general, the song seems to be like a bit of a kind of sarcastic gripe about like maybe business in general, but like mm. more specifically show business. Yeah, show business or possibly sort of media. I know what's the words. I was going to say not really news, but sort of making money out of gossip and mm. like that kind of thing. Yeah. I do enjoy the line, um, make it young and make it quick, make your money on the jukebox, baby, just because it's, it's so <laughs> ironic uh, in the delivery. But I also just think it's kind of funny coming from them because they were plugging away for so many years as like a minorly mm-hmm. successful band before they came to any like nationwide fame. So mm-hmm. I wonder whether that's a little kind of comment about that <laughs> that they were they were professional musicians for a long time before they would be like famous famous and then the the final line is like i'm not commodity repeated over and over again which yeah i can i can see that's how you would definitely feel like a protest that you wanted to make in the heyday of MTV yeah was this about the was this about the same time that prince was changing his name and everything or was that earlier? Oh, I don't know. Fake the I feel like I feel like that was that an ongoing thing for like the whole the whole like nineties and into the early two thousands <laughs> that yeah, that Prince couldn't be called Prince anymore because for some reason I, I'm probably getting this wrong, but just for some reason the record label had the rights to his stage name. Or something. Yeah, that's as I understand it, but I don't know the details. Which just seems like, how would that happen? But then, if there's one thing big business is not famous for, it's scruples. So, mm, indeed, <laughs> uh, controversial. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did you have any anything else on? I don't think so. I think I like this. I I like the song a lot. Eventually, <laughs> it grew on. No, you. it's one of those ones that I just I didn't dislike it before, but it was like, okay, that's also a monster, I guess. Mm. There were only a couple of tracks on here that I found particularly memorable. I think mm. when I was thinking about it before re-listening, and um, yeah, King of Comedy is uh, growing on me a lot. Awesome. Now, obviously, I feel like I have to ask the question then, given the title of this song: Have you seen the Martin Scorsese film of the same name? Well, I don't know whether it's the King of Comedy or whether it's just King of Comedy. With Robert De Niro? Yes. Yes. I resisted the urge to burst out into the Bobby De Niro song from Adam <laughs> and Joe there, just so you know. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up now. Oh, it's very good. <laughs> the bo- Oh, it's the Bobby De Niro Calypso. Oh, that's no. What <laughs> I think that's never going to be as good as as, um, <laughs> as the concept. So I'm going to have to <laughs> deliberately avoid it for the rest of my life to not be disappointed. You were single father two, but not good father three. Are you? Are you? Are you looking at me? <laughs> uh, um, but anyway, enough of this nonsense. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but have you seen it? You've seen it. Did you enjoy it? I have it? seen it. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think so. I didn't. I did not enjoy it. <laughs> Excellent. I didn't. No, you know what I mean. Like I didn't love it. It mm. was. It was one of those kind of weird. Because it's not really a biopic, is it? It's just sort of done in that kind of style. Yeah. I. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, I. I just. And the sort of weird obsessive like guy. Yeah. And and the fact like that he's sort of like I don't know because he's obviously not normal, but he's just like a couple of steps from normal. Like he can sort of pretend to be normal for a bit, and then yeah, he's not like outwardly completely out there. He's sort of like delusional, but not in a really obvious way. Yeah, uh, and until he until he is really obvious. Until he is eventually, but <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's. It's a very weird movie, but definitely, definitely worth recommending to kind of dispel the whole like, oh, Martin Scorsese only makes gangster films. I'm gonna have to look up what other films Martin Scorsese's made now. Oh, have you? You must have seen Silence. I have not seen Silence. Have you not? Despite being a no, I keep meaning Shusaku to see it. Endo. I know. I've read the book, but I have not seen the film, and I keep meaning to see the film, and then not. Kind of getting yeah, I, and I feel like I'm duty bound to the listeners to, to mention that I I borrowed that book from you for about ten years and didn't get around to reading it and then gave it back. <laughs> but I did read the Samurai and thought that was very good, uh, even though it probably took me about five years to read that. Yeah, the Samurai's pretty good. It was like it's also like twice as long as Silence, so you chose chose poorly. <laughs> Just weirdly, yeah, but maybe that, yeah. I think, I think the fact that I read the Samurai and was like, this is incredible, but also excruciatingly depressing. I was like, I think. Oh, they're all excruciatingly depressing. I think I'll, I think I'll give, <laughs> give Silence a miss. Um, but yeah, I have now at least seen the film. Yeah, I was going to say Silence more or less depressing than Samurai. I don't know. Maybe it's slightly less depressing, marginally less depressing. I don't know. Having having read the Samurai and watched Silence, I would say they're on a par in terms of just like bleakness. Scan- scandal is very is it scandal? And that's what it's called. It's very good and also very depressing. Mm. The Sea and Poison is very depressing, um, but also very good. Awesome. <laughs> I think that's one of his more well known ones. Oh, I think okay. Poison. And there's also a follow up to it, which I have read, but I remember it being really hard to get hold of. Oh, okay. The the sequel, The Sea and Poison, is easy to get hold of, but I think. It didn't have like this follow up to it. Song of Sadness or something isn't didn't pick up like a big Western publisher. So it is published in English, but it's only like a small press. Oh, okay. Um, sorry. Now we're getting deep into the weeds. That's fine. Book recommendations, just adding value. Yeah, because the scene Poison is about it's set after the Second World War, but it's set about this doctor and stuff who it turns out like did not do some very nice things during the war. Oh, okay. A Japanese doctor rather than like a Nazi doctor, but a similar kind of like, yeah. Turns out he's not a great guy, but it's a lot of being depressed. Reck- reckoning <laughs> reckoning about, with war crimes. Yeah, that kind of thing. And no one's very happy in it. You'd be shocked. It's uh, So anyway, yes. I think I've got like two or three that I haven't read yet that I own. And now I'm just looking at this because one. He doesn't just make gangster movies, but there are quite a lot of gangster movies. So yeah, and the, I think a lot of it is that some of the famous stuff is. I mean, it's not even like it's not even like it is. It's more like violent movies because okay, because Taxi Driver, not a gangster movie, but for some reason, 
I think people lump it in with those just because <laughs> it is pretty violent at points. Um, I've not seen Taxi Driver. <laughs> it's good. Loosely, it's a very famous film, and I've not loosely seen it. based, loosely based on Dostoevsky's um, Notes from Underground. Okay. Very loosely based. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, but yeah, I I quite quite enjoy the Scorsese that I've I've seen. But I don't know. There's a certain amount of like I'm sort of spacing those out just because like. I know I'm going to enjoy them, and mm-hmm. I know that everyone says they're good, so I'm not in a rush, if that makes sense. I know yeah, that sounds like weirdly backwards, but it's just like, I will go off and watch like random stuff that's less famous, because I want to distinguish myself somehow. <laughs> I've not seen The Last Temptation of Christ either, which I hear is good. I Yeah, I've heard mixed things about that. Um, um, I mean... Definitely, uh, yeah. I guess, props for not going with the obvious choice by <laughs> they cast Willem Dafoe. Um, but yeah, I was just looking down this list of ones I have seen the most against ones. I have seen Goodfellas and I have seen The Departed. and Not not seen Goodfellas. Uh, I've got the DVD of The Departed and it's sitting on my uh, to-watch pile, so I haven't seen that one either. I guess that one's, that one's gangstery, right? It, uh, it is kind of gangstery. It's one of the few times where I'm like, oh, I saw the original first. <laughs> because I think when I was at university, the independent cinema near where I lived was showing uh, Infernal Affairs, which is the Hong Kong film. Oh, that's right. Right. Um, which I remember being good. I think that the, the main problem is the part is about an hour longer than Infernal Affairs. Ah. So even though the plot is basically identical, just set in different cities, they really they really drag it out. And <laughs> um, but it is good. Gotcha. Yeah, I have to say I wasn't excited to go and seek out The Irishman when it was a big deal a few years ago. No, I've not watched it. We have Netflix, and I still haven't watched it. I think it's partly because it's so long. Mm. Like, it's hard to justify that, like, I'm going to sit down and watch this for three and a half hours or whatever ridiculous thing it is. Mm. I kind of have mixed feelings on the sort of de-aging thing. Yeah. Um yeah, I haven't seen much of that. The 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 thing that the thing that I really feel very weird about is the last couple of Star Wars movies where they had actors that are now dead. Yes. That they like that is digitally redid. Which I feel weird. Ethically ethically, kind of ethically um, weird. iffy, I would say. At and the also very least. just there's like an uncanny bit to it. So like mm. there's the one where they had a young, like, they just brief, very briefly, like, had the back of, like, a young Carrie Fisher's Princess Leia or whatever. Yeah. Like, they recreated how she looked and whatever, the first one. And you just really saw pretty much just the back of her or whatever. Mm. It looked fine. It wasn't weird. It was like, okay, sure, whatever. Mm. But as soon as you have people talking or anything like that, you're like, you're just uh, in that territory where you can tell. Yeah. Like, even though, obviously, it looks much better than it would have done 10 or 20 years ago. It's Goodness, still just, yes. like, and aside from... The ethical stuff, you're also just like, this doesn't... It's so, like, don't do it. Like, if you need to recreate someone to have them in the background of a scene or whatever, you're like... Yeah, like... Aside from the ethical considerations, you're like, sure, it works uh, fine. Yeah, like, have them in the background, but, <laughs> but there's there's just, like, a level of, like, is this strictly necessary? Couldn't you write around this? Yeah, and it just feels... It feels weird in, in every way. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, there you go. But it's odd. <laughs> 
It's odd. Anyway, we're still recording somehow. We are. We are. So we should so, wrap uh, this thing up. We should wrap this up. We're back next time to not sleep or dream or sleep and dream or something. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Turn on narrator. Toggle switch. On. GDGC podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, I was in a Google Meet the other day and it worked. So we could try going back to that. <laughs>